I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Big Everton phone-in with a view from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Michael Ball, Ben Winstanley and Matthew Charles. Our first guest this evening is Matthew Neal. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Hi lads, how are you doing? You all right? Thanks for coming on, mate. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very yeah, much for absolutely. coming on. Matt, you've come on to talk about Everton as a squad. Um, where are we as a team? Are we an eighth place team, a European team? And do we have to be patient given the players that we have? What are your thoughts? I think I think we have underachieved over the last three or four years. I mean, you, you look at the size of our wage bill, and that's normally a good sort of way to to judge these things. And we've had the seventh largest wage bill over the last three, four years at least. Yeah. And I think we'd be pretty disappointed with the fact that you know, over the last three, four years, we've not we've not challenged for Europe. Really, we've been eighth, eighth. I mean, last season was a pretty pretty disgraceful season in terms of twelve, wasn't it? And then and then this season looks like it's petering out a little bit. I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, it's going to be difficult to get that momentum back to what we were showing earlier in the season. I think, I think we should be, should be at least seventh. I think we should be at least seventh in terms of, you look at the players we've got, we've got Hamez, we've got Alan, you know, we've got um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he's got 14, you know, 14 goals this season with Charleston. You know, I think we've got one of the best left-backs in Europe in, in Lucas Digne. Mm. But I don't think so. I think we should be very disappointed not to 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 be in Europe at the end of the season. But I think that's as that's as far as it goes. I think we should. I, th- I think there are major limitations to this squad. Um, I think you know you saw the other night. You know Seamus Coleman come on and he, a, th- a 33 year old right back actually turned into our, into our best winger, um, which is which is a which is, which is not great on you know on the recruitment over the last three years. You know that. A 33-year-old right back still our best right winger option. 
you know, without Hammers, we lack any sort of creativity creativity going forward. Um, you know, there's still massive question marks over the goalkeeper. Mm. You saw the other night the centre backs as well. You know, I know I'm not sure why Ben Godfrey wasn't playing centre back really, but you know, Keane Keane still worries me. You know, can you rely on a player that's so so his performances are based so much on confidence? I think you know, there's question marks over that, and obviously you know the, the central midfield role as well. You know, we we spent so go through it the amount of money we spent on central midfielders over the last three years. Gomez, Gabamin, Delph, Alan, Decore. And yet I think most of us would sit here and say that that's still a position that we're yet to cover. So mm. I think, yes, we're underachieving in terms of I think we should be at least seventh. But I think major major restructuring needs to go on over the next couple of windows to, to, to bump us up into the, the top four, five positions. Because that's where we should be as a club, really, isn't it? You know, we should be in Europe every season. And, you know, I know, you know, there's this, the sky six now that what we've got, but, you know, we're still the fourth most successful team in, in this country and we should be, we should be expect, expecting better. Mm. Ben, it's a really interesting topic, this one, isn't it? Because a lot of Everton fans are getting a little bit impatient, especially now we're sitting in eighth. And I think it was you, Ben, that said on a previous podcast that Everton have the seventh highest wage, but is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, me and Matthew, Neil, regularly exchange DMs on Twitter um, to go to and fro and just basically vent to one another, don't we, mate, to be fair? So we have a, we have a good laugh. But bang yeah, <laughs> absolutely bang on. I think we do have the seventh most highest wage in terms of salary. So you'd like to think we're pushing in and around that um, that position. But you look exactly what Matthew said, that the recruitment over the last five years, we've spent near enough half a billion pounds or 500 million pounds there or thereabouts. And to be fighting for seventh position after spending that much money over the past few years is, is quite shocking, really. Um, and I do agree. I do think we're probably around seventh, um, which is disappointing because of the, of the the enormous size of our football club and the team we support. We should we should be pushing on more for me. Um, we have had a really good opportunity this year, which we've discussed numerous times that we've blown. Um, and you only have to look at like West Ham, who we were pushing for that top four place. And I, I, I still stand by my decision. I still think we've got a better squad than them on paper, as Matthew's quite rightly said. The left back, probably one of the best in Europe. You've got James, Alan, Decore, when he's fit, brilliant. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably one of the one of the best up-and-coming young strikers. And loving or, love or hate him, Jordan Pickford's still England's number one goalkeeper. So on paper, our squad should be pushing a lot higher than what it is. But you just got to see, we, we seem to have this loser's mentality at the moment, like where we all have a laugh and a joke about how we've Evertoned it. And that seems to be a case every now and again. We, I, I haven't known a season like this for a long time. We could have quite easily been top four with the results that have gone against us and idiotic performances and stupid decisions and stuff. But yeah, I completely agree with everything he said. It's just so disappointing that we can't actually get that kick on, kick on. And I just, like I said, before it's like a groundhog summer again where we're going to need three or four more plays to come in and and how is obviously what Matthew said before how was Seamus Coleman coming on doing more than a Wobie in 20 seconds than a Wobie did for the whole the whole 65 minutes I think he played and 28 million pounds he spent on a Wobie and it just shows that the recruitment of the club's been shocking to say the least over the past five years now last summer we got it right um, I think obviously Marcel Brands has come in. I believe it's a strategic plan, spending only £60 million last year on Ben Godfrey, who's probably been signing of the summer for Everton. James, who's 
closely followed behind on a free transfer. Still don't understand how that one's worked, but there we go. And Decore's been brilliant. And when Alan's played, he's been brilliant, but obviously he's picked up a few injuries due to his age and stuff. So we have got the players there, Mick, and that's why I think the fans are so frustrated at the moment because we have got the potential to really kick on and really challenge for the top four because that's where we should be. That's where we need to be. But at the moment, mate, we're just really not taking our chance and opportunity. And you just got to look, what what is the issue? I, I can't tell you on this podcast. I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it seems like the mentality is not there from this club to really get a grip and kick on. So, yeah, I completely agree with everything that Matthew said there, Mick. And I, I, I do think that we should be seventh, but we can and we should be doing better. Bawley, where, where do you think Everton should be at this present time? I mean, I look at the league table and obviously when you take out the likes of Man City, Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, do have Everton have a better squad than the likes of Leicester, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal? I'm, I'm not so sure. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's just frustrating, isn't it? You know, you look at our probably strongest 11 and you think we should be up there, you know, um, higher than what we are right now. We've let ourselves down and not just ourselves, but many clubs this season because of the COVID situation, the short pre-season, uh, some teams took a lot longer to get going and, and we were getting the points on the board, which was great to see. And then we just wanted to, our performances really, I think we weren't creating many many chances, opportunities early on in the season, but we were taking them and getting the points. You just hope our the new lads come in, they gel a bit more, get used to our style of play and demand a bit more, be a bit more uh, the lack of leadership in this squad over the last you know, five or six years has been shocking, in my opinion. And you just think bringing winners, <clears throat> you know, like like Hammers in, <clears throat> he knows how to win football games. You know, he's world class player, and everyone else will you know, take that on board. And we do it at times. And I think that's what we're, we're frustrated about. At moments in games, we we do look a really good side, um, but it's the, the lack of consistency in us all. I don't know if it's a it's a confidence thing or you just switch off and forget to do the hard yards. I mentioned that on the, in, the, in the echo column quite a lot that when we've won football games, we're, we've you know harassed teams and put them under pressure and caused them problems, but we don't seem to do it for the full 90 minutes. Or, and if one's having a bad game, who can pick up the pieces? You know, If you look at the, the basic stats of this series, obviously Dominic's doing well with his 14 goals. That's a huge improvement. But Richie's only got six. You know, Richie's, you know, we know we spoke speak about him a lot. You know, his work rate's great and his attitude's spot on. But I think he just lost his confidence in front of goal. Uh, even DCL, you know, if we go back to the Palace game, that's the opportunity, chance he had then. They're playing probably slightly better football now. And we're creating more opportunities. The last couple of games, say the, besides the Brighton game, I suppose. But we're creating more opportunities. But if our main guy's not putting it in the net, who else can do it? You mentioned Awobi there, and not just Awobi, there's been Walcott in the past, there's been Bernard. These are forward players who are supposed to come in and assist and score goals alongside DCL and Richie and help the team win football games, and they're not doing it. And, you know, it's that's the most frustrating side. And recruitment, it's always hindsight. You know, the, the players come in, you think they're going to you know, prove to everybody why they've been brought to the club, and we just don't seem to have that hunger or that demand. I don't see the demand from each players to be angry about, you know, keeping a clean sheet. Um, <clears throat> they look at Michael Keane's probably played more games than anybody. Um, but I think the Tottenham game it just shows the lack of leadership of no communication whatsoever. Um, they're just looking after themselves and to get to Europe and to be in that top four and, and be their consistency. That that's the difference. You know, it's leadership. It's organising. Um, 
I went to the West Ham game um, when the fans were allowed in, and that was really interesting because you know there's no fans there. You can, there's only a, a few thousand that I could hear. You know what Carlo Ancelotti and the big dunk on the side was saying to the players. You could hear what the players were saying, but it was quiet. All I could hear mostly was the West Ham staff, um, West Ham fan, uh, players, you know, demanding more from each other. And it was freezing, but that was just it. Just <laughs> it just reminded, it just showed what I've always thought that there's the hunger from each player to demand from each other. Um, and if you look at other teams, like say Roy Keane, you know he wouldn't care who's alongside him, but he'd be demanding that they won't drop their levels. I don't think we've got that. I think we're, we're too nice to each other, mm. um, and that's great. You know, they look like a good set of bunch of lads. And social media, we get to see a lot more of footballers nowadays, which is good to see. But on that pitch, I don't see that. Uh, anger or that hurt when things go wrong it's sort of head down and you want the world to swallow them up a little bit and for that to change it's all obviously again about recruitment and I think Carlo's obviously been instrumental this uh, the last window bringing in you know, the Hammers and Decore's in um, I think Decore was probably Marcel Brand's uh, buy and Hammers obviously Carlo's but Carlo would be wanting to bring in more quality because you know, if you if you look at the opportunities we're starting creating, someone else needs to step up to the plate and start chipping in with the goals and assists. You know, our assist is normally just Hammers or Sigerson, and that's basically. And as the lads just mentioned, then Coleman, they're coming on the pitch. And I feel uh, Carlo doesn't want Coleman to be doing that. I think he normally wants a flat back four, get you know, get up, get up, up the play. Um, but only as a backup, and hopefully your winger in front has got the got the magic to create something. But we haven't. We come inside too often, and it's up to people like Seamus Coleman to to bow up the line and you know put in balls in. And, and while that's sort of great for him, you don't want your fullbacks to be your main players. You know, I was a fullback. I was like, you basically just got to tackle your opposition and give it to your midfielders to to start creating opportunities for your strikers. That's it's simple game really. But I feel that we we just haven't got a rhythm. You know, each and every game you look at this season, we played sort of a different way or a different tempo and. Um, to start pushing up for, for European place for the next season or even put of the final push now and it's just it's all about consistency and demanding from each other and communication to feel to to, to make that edge mm. Matthew with, with Everton trying to get into to Europe Marcel Brands' contract's up and he's it's rumoured that he is going to be extending his stay at Everton are, are you happy with Marcel Brands and is he the man that you think can push Everton into the European spots and maybe even Champions League spots over the next couple of years? Um, I can't sit, sit here and say right now that I'm happy with his, with his performance. Um, I think you have to, to give him some credit. You know, when he come in, you know, we had 37 senior pros at the club and obviously he's, he's, he's managed to get that number down. I think he's very professional in the way he does things. I think he looks the part, doesn't he? And sounds the part, which, which, is, which is important. Um, I think if you if you listen and read to read things about the academy, uh, he's finally getting the structure of that right. You know, we've seen the the, the age of the under twenty threes and under eighteens dramatically drop this season, which has been much needed for a long time. And obviously, we've we've seen the likes of Gordon, Brandway, and Sims go out on loan. Um, hopefully, we're looking we're seeing. Um, you know, pathways you know being developed for the likes of Thierry Small and that sort of thing, but. I think in terms of recruitment, it's been pretty poor, hasn't it? I mean, if you go through a lot of this current squad, you know, the likes of Awobi, Bernard, Delph, you've got Keane out on loan, who looks like he's going to leave, Gomez. You know, that's five players there already that he's brought in that 
I think we all want out. So, you know, and you look at the rest of the squad, you know, often we say, you know, we haven't got a big enough squad. I actually think we do have a big enough squad. I think we've got quite a big squad. I just don't think we've got the quality in those areas that are needed. So sometimes it looks like the the squad is too small. But if you go through, we've got seven central midfield players and you'd probably say two of them are good enough. You know, we've got no no real wingers. We've got no real backup to Dom. Mm. Um, So it's... you know, I think I think I'm happy that he's getting a new contract because I think the club is crying out for stability. You know, we've been chopping and changing managers. We've had, we've we've already had a director of football change three years ago. I think if you look at his record at PSV um, and Alkmaar, he actually he actually doesn't start developing things and and getting results until his third year. So I'm hoping and I'm praying that it, this is the start of. Um, of things to come, really, because uh, you know that he's 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 starting what his fourth summer this summer is it? Um, he's got Carla now at the helm, which will make should make recruitment a lot easier. You know, it should it should he should be able to 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 attract a higher caliber of player. Um, you know, I th- but you do this is like the boys have already said. You know, this is a, again it's a massive summer for Everton. But I think this one more than most because I think we have had it. We did have a good summer last summer, you know. I think I think we did target players that could come straight in and and bridge a gap of quality. And I think when they play and when we've seen them play together, we are a top six team really. Um, but unfortunately, you can't always rely on them to be fit. And um, I think just plain and simply, Carlo needs to go out and this summer. I mean, hopefully we'll get the key money and that'll help things and that'll allow us to go and get targets in early. Go and get four, three or four like Ben Godfrey, people that are in your team week in, week out. So when we see the team sheet we, each week, we can go, right, Carlo's got five or six of his own players in, the, in, this, in this team mm. every week now, instead of the one and the two and sometimes none. That we've seen this season because we can't rely on Hamez being fit, Alan being fit. I think that's but that's been the problem. Um, you know, we, we all know what we lack as well. You know, this this squad's crying out for pace, it's crying out for athleticism. And for some reason we're not we're not addressing that. And that that does have to fall on 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 Marcel Brands, unfortunately. So yes, I'm happy that he's staying, I think, um, but he he seriously needs to up his game, I think, because since we've come in, you know, this is 8th, 12th and probably 7th to 10th to again this season. And that, and that's just not good enough, is it? Ma- Marcel Brands, are you happy that he's set to set to stay at Everton? Um, hi, guys, first of all. Um, just before I do answer, I, I, I do just want to mention the, the podcast, if that's OK. Um, yeah, sure. I was one of I was one of the first guys I think to pick up on on this one because I was looking for some new content and what I will say I think that this podcast has got loads of potential I think you guys are doing some great work um having some ex pros like Borley on Borley I used to have you on the back of my shirt actually funnily enough because uh, I uh, used to have a I used to play left back or left wing um but I do think that you guys are doing some great work here so uh, keep it up it's it's a fantastic podcast um it's definitely one of the best out there and uh, keep cracking up. Cheers, Matt. Appreciate that, mate. Thank you very much. So, 
Marcel Brands and Everton in general. Am I happy that he's uh, signing a new contract? First of all, I don't. I, it hasn't been confirmed just yet that it's happening. Am I happy with that? Um, I am. Yes, I certainly do believe um, that Marcel should remain. Um, I, I do have um, loaded. It, it's hard to make assumptions with what actually happens at the club because. You know, we sit outside looking in, but from what I can see as a as a fan and uh, as only one share in Everton, so part of some of the AGMs, um, it does appear that when he first came in, he was given a clear strategy of buying young players, um, buying them at a at a good price, and hopefully having a sell on in the future. Obviously, Carlos then come along, um, and it was clear to see in the summer he he had made some clear. Um, demands of the board to buy in some um, proven players such as Hammers, such as Alan, to, to to bolster the squad. I think what's clear though is that they're all working in silos. You've got our owner who is definitely dipping in and out and buying the odd player that he wants. And I think that an example of that is Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, you've then got probably Kemwright and the, the board looking at players themselves and saying, okay, we've been looking at these players for a long period of time. You've then got Marcel Brands going away, having a look at his roster, the people that he knows, and then coming and approaching with his players that he thinks will satisfy the squad and will improve us. And you've then got Carlo. And for me, that's four silos, all on different strategies, saying, we need this type of player. We need this this type of uh, position. We need this type of age. And this is how much it's going to cost. And I think in the future, when Marcel or if Marcel does sign a new contract, we need they need to absolutely be working on the same page. Um, but for me, I think Marcel's done a good job. Um, uh, I think that the problems that we've had with recruitment lie further than recruitment it's in itself. I think if you have a look at some of the players that we signed over the past, was it three summers now that Marcel's been here? Every mm. single one when he when he signed, we thought. Yeah, that's going to be a great signing for us. Or we least we at least thought, yeah, we can see where the value is. I mean, Hammers, what a player, right? Comes in, and then you've got even people like Fabian Delph. From my perspective, I thought he's going to add loads of experience to this squad. He's won the league. He's been at City. It's going to be fantastic. And then you've got most or some that are, are underperforming or have underperformed and are still underperforming. So the question for me is, what is the problem? The problem for me lies further than Marcel Brands. The club is enrooted in failure. It, it's absolutely enrooted in failure. We consistently buy players that we believe are going to be good players, are going to be a great addition to the squad. And as we just mentioned, all the people that we signed in the summer are probably our best players right now. Um, season before, you could probably say the same. So the question is, if we keep adding quality, we keep getting better and better in terms of recruitment, what is the problem? Because we haven't moved forward. The problem is, in my opinion, that the club allows for second best. It consistently does it. And we've all worked for organisations where you walk through the door and appreciate it's not football, apart from poorly. And you walk through the door and you know the people don't work at 100%. They don't challenge themselves to be the best. And you walk in organisations where you can just smell success. You just know everybody's fully engaged in being the best that they can be and driving to be the best completely every day, 100%, 24-7, 365 days a year. I don't believe Everton have that. I genuinely don't believe it. I believe that they are okay 
with second best. I believe that the board are okay with second best. I believe the only person in the club that probably doesn't accept second best is Carlo. And he's literally trying to change a culture of 20 to 25 years. And I believe Marcel probably might sit just below Carlo in, in wanting to be better. But the problems like further than Marcel Brands for me, we need to change the entire culture of this club where going to Tottenham and winning one 10 years doesn't allow Bill Kenwright to be on TV celebrating that because it's only three points. We haven't won anything and we need to start winning things and creating a culture where three points is just the minimum that we expect. So sorry to go on a rant there, guys. From my perspective... <laughs> I, I think Marcel's done a reasonably good job. I think on paper, you can go, everybody that we have brought in, we have seen as a positive at the time that we bought him. I think the problem that you have is when they, when they brought are brought to this club, they, uh, they you know adapt to our culture. And our culture is you're, you're sleeping in silk sheets because let's be honest, you know they're all winners because they're professional footballers. So they've done amazingly already. You know, you can be a millionaire before you make a, the first team football um, in the Premier League now. And I believe that this club does not drive them to only accept winning. And that's the problem. So yes, I do hope, so, hope, hope Marcel signs. I am happy with him because I believe he's one of the guys that can change that. The problem but- lies further. Ben, just just touching on what Matt just said there, is it is it now an important stage for Everton where Marcel Brands, when he does dip into the transfer market, that they're not just quality footballers, but they're actually quality people, and they're coming to Everton for the right reasons. Well, like, like Matthew just said there, um, I've just said in the, my previous post on here when I'm talking on this podcast, and I think he's at the nail on the head. Really, uh, we can't have that mentality of losers. And to be honest with you, I'm psyched up now after that, Matt. I'm ready to go. <laughs> One through brick walls, a lot for you, but no. <laughs> at least somebody is sorry, man. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but but no, I do definitely agree. Um, I do think Marcel Brands has done a really good job, and it'd be good to get him tied down. I feel like we're finally getting a structure together after the disastrous start that Mashir he, he came in. I don't really think he knew what he was doing. We got. He hired Steve Walsh, who literally put us back probably 10, 15 years, probably one of the worst recruitment that we've done as a club because his business has put us back years. And I feel like we're just slowly, steady, going up and up and up. But in answer to your question, Mick, I, I just want players and they're going to play for the shirt and really put in 100%. It's like Matt, like Matt touched on before. So go by our motto, Neil Satis, Nissy Optimum. Nothing but the best is good enough. That's what I want to see these players come in. I want to see winners, winners like Hammers who come in and just literally, like Carlo said before the season started, he can just come in and he can play from the way go because he is a quality footballer. And that's what we want to see. These these players that are going to put 110% in fear. You look at Ben Godfrey, he's still very, very raw. Not saying he's the best centre half in the world, but he gives you 110%. And he has got that mentality to be a future Everton captain. And that's what I'm all about. If you're going to play for the share, you're going to play for the club you will get success and the fans will back you 110% what I've touched on before. So it is difficult to identify the right name coming in. Um, I think Marcel Brands is doing very well. Um, but I also think Carlo being there too. I think McManaman or someone who was commenting on the game before said so he's one of the only managers left that likes to have his inputs on transfers. And I think that he needs to have that input on transfers. He's, an, he's a winner. And I'm going back to that quote, the best shining in 30 years is Carlo Ancelotti. He's a born winner. And he will bring us to the next level. And I do think he should have a say on what transfers are coming in, Mick. But to answer to the general um, topic, I do want Marcel Brands to sign his, uh, his contract. And I do think he's in a, 
he's a vital part of the jigsaw at Everton at the moment. Bowley, a quick answer, yes or no, Marcel Brands? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think we've got time to wait and do a whole new change again. He, he's here, he knows the club, he knows how we tick. So, yeah, I wouldn't like a new a new director of football coming in and having a different strategy that might delay us trying to be successful. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining the phone in. We really appreciate it. Cheers, lads. Thanks very much. Cheers, Matthew. All appreciate the best. Thank you. you. Take care. Our next guest is Ryan. Ryan, you come on to talk about patience and the patience amongst Evertonians with the current squad. Yeah, that, that's right, mate. I, I think with um, all the mistakes that we've made in the past, you know, with Ronald Koeman, Steve Walsh, um, Allardyce and even Marco Silva, I don't think the current squad that we've got is good enough going forward. Um, I think it's going to take us some time for Carlo to get the right players in. Um, he's going to have to spend a bit of money. He's going to have to get rid of some of the deadwood. You know, if you look at our first 11 on paper, our first 11 is a match for anybody in the Premier League. We can beat anybody on our day. Mm. But, you know, if we get an injury to the likes of a Hamez, a Decore, an Allen, those fringe players on the, on the outside waiting to come in just aren't good enough to come and replace those players. You know, and there's no disrespect to the likes of Tom Davis and players like that, but, you know, even Mason Holgate. But for me, they're just not good enough to take Everton to that next level. You know, even Alex Awobi. Alex Awobi, for me, is one of the worst signings we've made as a club. I've never known a winger, well, so-called winger, not take on his, his man. What I'd rather do is go inside or go backwards. Seamus Coleman made an absolute show of him the other night when he came on. Mm. Really did. Um, you know, and just another thing with the squads, what, what's disappointing is, you know, when we've played the two Manchester Cups in the Cups this season, we've not had a fully fit squad to choose from. Those players who've come in to replace the likes of Allen and replace the likes of Hammers, they've just not been good enough. And it's, you know, it's shown us up to not having that that squad depth compared to other clubs, you know, we were up, up the top of the table. Bowley, do you agree with Ryan there that after the first 11, once we get to the 12, 13, 14th player in the squad, that they're just not good enough for us? Yeah, no, I agree. It's my it's my thoughts, what I said earlier. You know, our starting, strong starting 11 is pretty decent and you just hope that we can add a, you know, a couple of more quality in, in the right areas for us. Um and we should be pushing for Europe. But the problem is what we've seen this season is when a few key players get injured. And it's not just this season. It's happened before us in the past. We've, we've relied on too many players or key players too often. We're going back to the Lukaku days when Lukaku was on fire. And if he picks up an injury or he's suspended, we didn't know how to play football. We sort of forgot. We didn't have a, an, another plan. Um, and we struggled um, because the players who came in weren't good enough to to carry on on the Lukaku situation but now we've, we've got it in certain key areas in the midfield and the wingers you know wingers need to start creating more opportunities for me and you know when key players are missing the quality and depth you know we, our squad is still quite big but the quality is, is not there and um, that's what hopefully Marcel and Carl will bring in the summer is that it's more world class players to, to, to push us forward now Borley I'm just going to stick with you quickly Ryan did mention Mason Holgate there he is coming under a lot of criticism recently for for this season in general what are your thoughts on Mason Holgate? Yeah, Mason, he looks like he's, he's got all the, the attributes that, you know, and he has put in some top performances for us. I think it's just maybe a lack of 
experience or communication with him. Um, he does get moved about a lot because he's not the number one centre-half. He's not the number one right-back. He's not the number one midfielder. So he, he is seems to be a squad player. Um, and he comes in and he can do a good job. But is he going to take us to the next level? Um, I don't think he will. Um, I don't think he's got it in him. Um, I think he's just sort of a... You know, if we do have a few injuries here and there, he's a stock guy for one or two games. But consistency, just getting that start in 11, I don't think he's good enough. Matt, do you agree with Baldy there that the likes of Mason Holgate, they're probably just not good enough for us? So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really interesting point because, let's be honest, he, he was poor on Friday um, and he has been poor for, you know, a considerable time this season. But, you know, it was, it was only, was it a year and a half ago, two years ago, where um, he was our centre-half and, and we were all very, very happy with him in terms of the way he was playing. Um, do I believe Mason Holgate's good enough for, for Everton first team? No, I don't. Um, um, nothing against him personally. Um, you know, uh, he, he, he does seem a good squad player. Um, but for me, in terms of when I watch Mason Holgate, there's an arrogance about him. And again, this isn't a personal attack to him because he's a young player and, you know, he's a professional footballer who's got further than any any of us other than Borley in terms of um, professionally, you know, in, in, in a football career-wise. But there's an arrogance in it, in it, about him in the way he plays, in the way he has his, his body language. And to me, um, whilst that's absolutely great in terms of he definitely feels that he's got value and he's, he's a quality footballer I think it makes him complacent I really do because I think he has he holds his chest out and he sees himself higher than he actually is um, and I think that that arrogance is actually holding him back now uh, there's, there's just something not quite there for me with the way that, that Mason holds himself the way that you know he, he plays I just don't think he has a, a mentality that says I need to continue to do better I believe that he thinks he is already really good and it's just going to come when you know he's going to pick up form again when 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 the time is right or you know and and that is only going to happen in the future but it's only going to happen if he actually works to do that and it and all's his set goal is to be better and better and better and I don't believe that Mason Holgate has that mentality um again I don't know him personally and that's not a personal attack to Mason it's just what I I see on a football pitch when I look at his body language, when I look at his, him as a, as a as a human being, I do believe that um, he he does think of himself highly, and I do believe that he doesn't quite meet that expectation in his mind on the pitch. And I think that he does need to change that mentality to be better. Do I do I see him in the Everton squad in future? I think he's one of the players that's actually quite aggressive, and we are massively missing aggression. It's it, you know we're we're and again this isn't an attack on anybody I don't mean this personally but we're a team of cowards at times we don't get stuck in you know when when the going gets tough we we don't want to be there um, when teams sit in we don't want to get at them we don't we don't want to do everything we can to break them down yeah and and for me um, um, yeah I, I just believe that that Mason is one of those people that has a mentality problem, um, uh, an attitude problem. And I think it does need to improve. Do I want to see him here next year? Just based on the aggression point, based on the fact that I know I, I, I can see that he absolutely believes in himself. Then I do believe he should be here because I don't think we'll get a great transfer fee, but first 11, not for me personally. No. 
Ryan, going back to the squad then, you know, you're not happy with the likes of probably Holgate and Awobi going forward. So where do you think this current set of players should be getting Everton? We're currently sitting in eighth. Are you happy with that? Um, I, I think if, you know, if we'd have had a, a season where we'd have had a lot of our first 11 fits, you know, like Hamez has missed a lot of this season and the lad's an absolute gem, isn't he? You know, he's world class, you can see it. He's head and shoulders above others on that pitch. The other night, he was unbelievable at times. Um, I think with the, the type of season we've had, with the injuries we've had, and I would say probably seventh and eighth would probably be where we're looking at this season now. Um, you know, you go back to September and, you know, we'd won all those matches on the bounce. It was unbelievable. You know, and again, we had the fully fit for first 11 for those games. And, you know, it makes you wonder if we'd have been able to to field our strongest 11 for the majority of the season. Then it'd make you wonder where we could be. You know, if you look at the likes of West Ham in the top four, you know, they've got, they're, they're nowhere near as, as, as good as Everton. You know, they're, they're really not. You know, um, but yeah, I, I would probably say seventh, eighth. You know, I didn't even want to think about this Europa Conference League a few months ago. But do you know what? If we could get in that competition, we could strengthen in the summer. There's no reason why we couldn't win that competition under Ancelotti. No reason at all. Mm, that, that's a really interesting, interesting point there, Ben, isn't it? This this Europa Conference, it's. People are kind of turning their nose up at it, but but like Ryan's just said, if if we did take it seriously, should we actually qualify for it? It is maybe a trophy that we could potentially win. Yeah, like Ryan said, there's some really really good points. It's we can't really be turning our nose up at anything in relation to European football. Um, obviously, we, the ask come on here a few weeks ago and explain about the profit and loss and the, the European football TV revenue crowd, people going away following Everton. It's it's added income and. Who are we to turn our nose up at any European level football? Because it could just be the stepping stone to the right direction um, going forward. And I'd do anything for a trophy. If it's it's classed as a major trophy, Mick, then I'm all for it. But going back to Ryan's initial point about the squad, completely agree with him. That them first six games when we we won five and drew one was unbelievable. We were all getting a bit carried away and singing the blues every weekend. And it was just surreal, wasn't it? But that's when the squad, we had the full first 11. I don't think the signings that came in last year have all played together since October, November time, um, if I can read my stats right. So you look at that and basically we have been so unlucky with injuries this year. We got into a bit of a swing of things. Then Hammers took a knock in the, Mez- the first Merseyside derby, out for a bit. Then when he was coming back, Allen got injured at the King Power uh, against Leicester, putting him back out. And then obviously Decore then takes the knock. So we haven't had a fully functioning fit, the uh, the midfield that we started with this year. And it's probably put Carlo on the back foot. I think that's why we've seen so many formations. We've seen so many different tactical uh, plans from his try to jig it. But we were conceding in the first few games. But I do think we could out- we were outscoring anyone we played against. So I just knew we were going to win. Um, I just was that confident that we were going to go at teams, break them down, get the ball to Hammers on the right. He'll do a massive switch of play and it just gets us on the attack straight away. And Calvert-Loom was banging form and Richarlison was getting stuck in and chipping in. Michael Keane was playing really, really well, really good football. And I think before the turn of the new year, after that December one, we had we were all right up for it. And then we came crashing back down to earth. I think New Year's Day, we played West Ham at home. And since then, the home form has been nothing short of shambolic. And, Injuries haven't helped. Um, I, I do completely agree with that. We, we've been really, really unlucky 
the, the squad have picked up little niggles. We haven't been able to get a run together. And when we do, someone else take a knock. And that Decorey injury, for me, was massive. Came at a really, really bad time. Um, when the running came in, the, the run of games we had coming up, it was essential that he was fifth for the legs. And him not being there, we're then relying on our fourth, fifth and sixth choice centre-mids. And you can see with the formation, it's, it's getting changed all the time, like 3-5-2. I think he wants to play 4-3-3 like we were playing. But I don't know if he trusts the back line yet because obviously we're starting with Mina and Keane and look, they're not quick on the turn. So we were quite deep, weren't we, to be fair, to start off with. And I don't think Carlo trusts the centre-halves at all to actually play a higher line because they're just getting behind us. But you look at now, like Ben Godfrey's the first name on the team. She is an exceptional footballer, aggressive and what I like in football players. And Matthew Charles had the nail on the head then before in relation to Mason Holgate. So he, he is, him and Ben Godfrey are probably our only aggressive players that we've got in the squad. No one else likes to put a foot in. No one else has got that snideness about them. That's You look at Holgate in, in the Merseyside derby, just gone when he's playing like a right back. He's probably one of our best three players in that game. He, was, he had money, probably one of the best wingers in the Premier League in his back pocket. And, He's so frustrating because he's one of them players that can perform like that, but then he shows like this arrogance and and it, it winds some Evertonians up. He's just chewing his gum, acting like it's just a, another walk in the park when it's it's not. And I, I put a tweet out about it, Mick, basically because I, I think this time last year I put like Mason Holgate, brilliant, what a footballer. And as the lads have said there, this time last year he probably was our number one choice centre half for me. I thought he performed really well at the back end of last year and. I just don't, couldn't really understand the decline, but I had a few replies to the tweet. The one that stood out for me was obviously Matthew Barry, who comes on the podcast every now and again. He, he stated that uh, Ben Godfrey's come in, which made Holgate and Keane look their level. We need better players to see it, which I can probably agree with. Um, when we, we're starting to see these better players come through, Mick, and the players that were, were performing probably like six, seven out of ten week in, week out are getting overperformed. So the eyes start going back on them, saying, hold on a minute, what are you doing? Like, look at look at this lad, Ben Godfrey. He's he's aggressive. He's high, throwing the tackles in, winning headers, bringing the ball out from the back. What are you doing? Like, why are you just sitting there and you look at Hammers and then you start looking at other players and it's like, like Ryan said before that Iwobi it's just been atrocious by. It just hasn't worked out. And I know he's come out and said he didn't want to change his position and had a bit of a slide digger Carlo, which I wasn't very happy about and just got a few of our backs up, but. It's just not good enough for Everton Football Club for me. His, his contributions for, like Bally said earlier in the phone, and the, the contributions, and like I said, you're a Wobie, you're Bernard's, um, even you say you're Josh King's up to now. I know he hasn't had really a chance, but the players are brought in to help you, Calvert Lewins, you Richarlison's, and they just haven't done that. They haven't even really been setting up assists, I think. To be fair, Hammers and even Guilfrey Sigurdsson since the, the, the start of the new year has been contributing a lot more with the assists and goals. and it just shows what are the others doing you start to look at the squad then and it's like what are you doing then what are you doing and people are coming in and getting criticised and I think the likes of like Alan coming in has obviously brought up Tom Davis as well because I think he's really come on leaps and bounds this year which I'm absolutely made up for because I think a lot of Evertonians were questioning him last year but he's, he's proved me wrong and a lot of Evertonians wrong this year I thought he's been brilliant and that must be playing with better players around him Mickey must be watching Alan like a hawk in training and going oh, that's his position in there that's what he'd do there and must be so good for these players but again the Mason Hallgate I don't think he's he, he shouldn't be in the first 11 for me and look if a bid comes in from 10-15 million pounds look I don't, don't think it will agree with Matthew but if it does then I'd probably be looking to sell and 
you can see that we might be looking at a centre-half. There is start to be some rumblings behind the scenes and it makes you think because Carlo doesn't trust this back forward or the centre-half partnership, then he needs another quick centre-half to play alongside Godfrey to obviously bring the ball out so we can play a higher line so we can actually then put teams under pressure further up the pitch, which we've been missing massively because the gap between the midfielders and the strikers at the moment is just enormous. So we need to get higher up the pitch. So, yeah, I completely agree with all the points the lads made and nice number coming on, Ryan, really good points. So Ryan, going going back to this season, do you think if Everton finish eighth, that's that's probably just about where we are as a team right now? I think so. Yeah, I think eighth. I think if we can try and push for seventh, that would be great. You know, but you know, with the mistakes we made the other night, you know, they were horrendous mistakes. The mistakes we keep making as a team, um, the Jekyll and Hyde um, type type of team that we are. You know, I, I think. Any lower than eighth will be really, really disappointing for us this season. But there's no reason why we, we still can't get seventh. And like I said before, you know, that Europa Conference League, it's a trophy at the end of the day. It's something we've been craving for how many years now? 20-odd years. You know, there's a lot of our fans, our younger fans, who've not seen us win anything. You know, and that's not acceptable for Everton Football Club. It's really not. You know, we need to be to be fighting for these trophies. And it's like you said before, we can't turn our nose up at something like that. I think if we got in there, we'd have a really good chance. But league position-wise, yeah, seventh, seventh would, be, would be great for me personally. Or, you know, at the worst, eighth. Anyway, other than that, I'd be really, really disappointed. I'd see that as a, as a slight bit of failure this season, really. Bully, nip it in a bud for me. Are Everton going to finish above eighth? Yes, I hope so. Um, as we're talking about then about the European competitions, no matter what trophies available, we as a club need to be in the mix and, and getting that silverware. And that will bring the mentality of winning back to the club now. And you've, you've got over the line, you've got a trophy, and I hope you've got spread around the squad. So I think it's massively important we can push now to the end of the season uh, and finish as high as possible. Ryan Haydorn, thanks for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Thanks, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for dropping in. Our next guest on the phone in is Graham Martin. Graham, thanks for joining us. Hi, uh, lads. Nice to be on the show again. Cheers, Graham. Graham, Hi, you want to talk about Moise Keane, uh, sell or keep? Um, to be to be bluntly, I would say sell um, reluctantly um, because since, since I think he's he's been at the club, his um, his attitude certainly off the pitch has not been great. Um, but then. You've got the flip side of that where if we keep him, for me, he's a fantastic talent. There's no two ways about that. And the chance that Carlo could bring out even more of that talent and he could be, I think, that, that player who could possibly take us on to that, that next level, something we're, we're all striving for. But ultimately, the player seems happy where he is now at PSG. So I, I think that's, that's what's going to happen in the summer, unfortunately. Ben, this is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because Moise Keane has gone away from Everton. He's done really, really well at, at PSG. Um, but w- w- with the with the rumoured figures that are being banded around, anything between thirty five and forty five million pounds, it's it's a lot of money, isn't it, for Moise Keane? Oh yeah, just first, nice one, Graham, for joining us. It's a really interesting point. This one is probably the topic of conversation after um, Fabrizio Romano announced today that we do want to sell. We're looking around fifty million euros, which is approximately forty-three million pounds uh, in UK terms. So, 
It is a difficult one. Look, when he joined Mick, I was I really thought we'd found a long-term Lukaku replacement. Um, I got excited over him, thought he was going to be fresh, young, raw, but he didn't hit the ground running. Um, I don't think playing along the likes of like Iwobi and players like that when you're at PSG and you've got Mbappe putting through balls to you on a plate. I don't think we, he, he needs to be around players who are probably next level to get the best out of his game because he probably is really good finishing one-on-one watching for PSG. If he's got a one-on-one chance, he predominantly scores them and he's an instinctive finisher. He's in the box all the time. He's quick, he's leggy. But he's been playing like a right winger for them as well, which I was watching a few of the Paris Saint-Germain games. He's working really, really hard off the ball, tracking back it, which we never saw at Everton. Now, he clearly is happy there and he wants to stay. And we're dealing with probably the biggest super agents on the planet in Nino Raiola, who's probably going to maximise his agent fees once again. So for me, Mick, I do feel like an asset will probably have to be sold um, this summer because obviously how close, well, I think we are probably breaching without COVID, the, the profit and loss sustainability of the Premier League. And I think with the green, the stadium getting the green light, that eases a bit of the loss so we can spread the cost of the stadium over the next few years. Um, and I do also think with most key money coming in as well, if you do look, and I think it's going to be around the £35 million up funds with probably realistic add-ons. That's what I think we're probably going to be looking for. And if you look around the £45 million, which is a profit, um, for what we paid so it's a really difficult one but look we, we need that whole right side sorting um, and it's clear to see that Max Aaron's fancies Everton we fancy Max Aaron's it's, it, there's no there's no hiding that anymore it's out um, and he, you're looking at the Paul Joyce article there I believe Max Aaron's wants to come to Everton as well so it probably leads you to believe that personal terms are done now and it's probably looking at agreeing the fee and getting that box so the most keen gone money if we get like 40, 45 million pounds for him, spend your 30 on, on your Max Adams and that pays for your right back for the next 10 years. Um, and I, I, I'll have no issues with Max Adams slotting straight into this club. And that just leaves us looking to hopefully get another right winger in. Um, and if, with a few more sales, you look at your Bernards, your John Joe Kenny's, we're all praying a Wobie because he's just not doing it for me. Um, and we can get a few more million behind us and we really get Carlo, the squad he wants. Um, get these winners into the football club that's going to take us on to the next level. But look, I, I don't think every Evertonian gave Moose Keane the chance. We were behind him. I, I've not been at Goodison when he scored that goal against Newcastle. I've never heard anyone sigh, like a sigh of relief when he's put that ball at the back of the net. It was a bit surreal. It was kind of like, oh, thank God he's got his goal. He's going to kick on because that's all I felt like he needed. But I just don't think being at Everton with the players around him is suited to his game. I'll state it before, you're in a fun free with Bernard, Iwobi and Moist Keane with last year, what was it, Delft behind them and a few others. It's, and then you, you look at Paris Saint-Germain, you got Mbappe one side, yeah, Neymar the other, um, Verratti floating around, Idrissa Gay. It's like, come on, there's world-class superstars here putting it on the plate for you. So, look, if he's happy and we're happy, we make a profit, but if the ball's in our court, Mick. We don't, necessarily need to sell and reading the article today from what Fabrizio said there that the Italian clubs are waiting in the wings if they can't agree a fee and they're going to come in as well and have a little pop so the ball's in our court he's probably one of the uprising superstars and he he has scored 15-16 goals in League One he's even contributed in the Champions League and he's playing in the semi-final of the Champions League against Man City in a few weeks so look I 
who wouldn't want to be in that position as a young player? He's probably really enjoying himself. He looks like he's gets on really well on the on his Instagram and on his social media. But it just didn't work out at Everton, did it? Sometimes this happens, but you can't doubt his football and ability. He's very raw, but he's doing the business over in France. And for me, uh, off the pitch economically, it probably does make sense to sell Mick. So I'd be looking to sell most key. Ollie, Graham, Graham said he'd reluctantly sell him. Ben said he'd sell him. What are your thoughts on Moza Keane? Yeah, no, I agree with both the lads. Um, it just hasn't worked out for him. He is very raw and he, he has been brought to the club by the super agents who is also Marcel Brands' agent. You know, so it was like they were doing us a favour bringing him in and, you know, just hoping he's going to be our new hero, our new little icon. Um, and it just didn't work out. Maybe... Our style of play doesn't suit him um, and his development at us hasn't worked for him. Um, he's moved over to France, easier to play in, but obviously playing with better players doesn't make it does make it a lot easier uh, for you. And he's, you know, he look, he's, as the lads are saying there, he, he looks happy, but as the boys said, the ball's in our court. We don't want to let him go cheap um, and hopefully we can get a percentage of the sell-ons. But before he walks out the door, we don't want to be letting players go. We haven't got replacements, you know, if he was here now, he probably would have been starting with DCL's injuries in the past few weeks. You know, it might have showed what he was all about. Unfortunately, he's not here. Uh, but I wouldn't like him to walk out the door, uh, no matter what fee we get for him, if we haven't got a replacement uh, to bring in, because we do need replacements up front. Matt, that's, it's very interesting what Bawley says there, isn't it? I mean, we did let the likes of Walcott go uh, this summer on loan and, and people were... Yeah, yeah, he's not good enough for Everton, but then when we do have a few injuries, the likes of Walcott may have got a game. So it, it, it's the same with Moise Keane, isn't it? If we are going to let him go, we, we've got to replace him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a really interesting uh, debate that we're going to have over the next couple of months, isn't it? And as we go into the the, the summer transfers, um, for me, <coughs> excuse me, I um, I remember when we signed Moise Keane um, and, and for, you know, I think at the time he was being touted as, you know, what the hottest prospect, particularly as a striker um, in, in Europe. And, and, and I think the world, he was on the front of every magazine. And, and the fact that we, we, we were um, touted to sign him and the fact that he chose us, I think everybody was just unbelievably surprised, but then positive about the transfer. Um, and how you know how how much it was going to progress us, and, and the opportunity that it, you know hopefully it presented us in in Ben mentioning you know he's got he has got that Lukaku way about him in the strength, the power, the pace, um, and you know it would look like we were about to sign a superstar or a potential future superstar. Um, that didn't turn out that way, or certainly hasn't for from our perspective at Everton, and he didn't. Um, certainly didn't perform at the levels we were hoping that he could um, or, or should. And for me, I personally, again, I go I go back to there's a culture at Everton that um, probably hasn't allowed hasn't allowed him or pushed him or motivated him and forced him to get the best out of him. There were times when he just didn't look fit. He didn't look sharp. Um, and there were times where he did. Uh, and I think that that inconsistency, again, comes back to a culture at Everton that just doesn't drive players to be the very best that they can be. That's how I saw the Moise Keane whole situation. Him going alone this summer, I, w- I was disappointed personally. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think it was it was the summer that he went, wasn't it? it I was very uh, because I, I do see loads of potential in Moise. I really do. Um, you can see when when he did switch it on, there was something special about him. Um, um, so 
yeah, it was it was a big disappointment from from my perspective that we let him go. There probably was financial, you know, impacts or or, or uh, analysis that had a look at. We needed to maybe lo- lower the wage bill and, and let him go. And it has, as as you've mentioned, it has you know impacted us because we are. I have never seen a, an injury list like it. To be honest, at the moment, I, I think some I saw a a, a, a Twitter group hands towards put something really funny on saying. Um, while Everton training, you know, practicing the training, MMA, because we are literally absolutely injury bound right now. And with Dominic Calvert Lewin being out, we, we really could do with Moise Keane right now. Um, but um, I think you've got to look at it from uh, out, you know, higher up. I think you've got to look at it and say, we know there is no doubt if we could have given Carlo Ancelotti 200 million in the summer, I believe that Mashiri would have found it. He didn't. There are reasons for that, and I believe it's around sustainability, Premier League sustainability. And if we're in Europe, uh, the yeah, the uh, sorry, um, financial fair play. So, for me, I think now he's done incredibly well at PSG. Although I haven't watched him, his stats read really well. He scored three in the Champions League. I think he's on sixteen overall. Um, and it does look like PSG, as you guys have mentioned, are interested in in signing him. Um, I can see why they would be. He's, he's young. Would they believe they're going to get him at a lower price than than possibly they they might have um, had he not had the, an, an average season at Everton previously? Um, and I believe on the basis that we know that we are very very close to breaching um, some regulations in football, we're going to need um, to to sell him just to be able to give Carlo a potential transfer kitty that he deserves. He absolutely deserves it in the summer. Um, and uh, it, unfortunately, from my perspective, although I would like him back, I believe that Moise Keane is part of that strategy to create that transfer kitty that Carlo is absolutely deserving and needing because there's no way that Carlo's going to accept some of the performances that have happened recently and you know the, the losing mentality that continues to, to hold us back. So he is going to want to acquire more players that he believe fit his mentality and his culture and the way that he wants to play football. We know we're lacking in pace. We know we're lacking down the right side. I, I fancy um uh I, I fancy Max Aaron's too Ben. Um you know he's great looking and he's a great footballer. Like he's absolutely fantastic. So I can see why we definitely want to acquire him. We need the funds to do that. So um I do believe that Moise Keane is part of that strategy to sell. And, and it's going to be great if we have a couple of clubs after him because we can probably try and push the price up. But for me, um, he's, he's you know this, this lad could be a superstar and could be worth hundreds of millions of pounds in the future. And that's the shame from my perspective because I do see a hell of a lot of potential. But we are going to sell him in the summer, I believe. I don't think he's going to want to come back and we're going to need to to be able to give Carlo a, war, a transfer kitty and a, and a war chest to be able to acquire players that push us on because we need to be pushing on next year. We can't be doing this again. Graham, you, you, you reluctantly you'd sell Moise Keane. You, you're the you're the points this evening. Are Michael Keane and Mason Holgate? What what are your thoughts on those two? Well, as a centre back pair, and I just don't think they work. Uh, it's as simple as that. When Michael Keane came in, I always thought there, there was a a world-class player there and I've given him so many many chances uh, but he had, a, he had a good spell prior to, to Christmas where I thought yes we're seeing the, the real Michael Keane now but then since since Christmas he, he's just gone downhill he's I think we 
we're all aware he's he's a confidence player, um, but he just seems shot at the minute, and he's just going to give goals away for me every time I watch him. He's giving goals away, and that is very much the same with Mason Holgate. I just don't believe the two of them as a centre half pairing work for me. If Yeri Mina was playing the other night, them goals wouldn't have happened. Um, so for me. The, the long and short of it is Michael Keane, for me, is a, a squad player at the very best, whereas Mason Holgate, I think he's got this attitude where he, he thinks he's he's better than he actually is. And for me, I think it, we should move Mason Holgate on as, as soon as possible, really. And he's just not up to the level that we need to take us, take us further on. Paulie, it's an interesting one. We've already spoken about Mason Holgate earlier on, but Michael Keane especially, where do you sit with him? I mean, he started the season very, very well under Carlo Ancelotti and people thought, you know, Carlo's going to get the very best out of Michael Keane. But over the last couple of months, his form has dipped, hasn't it? Yeah, he has been our most consistent, I think, probably since the COVID situation. We've probably seen the best of him uh, since he came to the club when he first arrived. He, was, he wasn't at the levels. He was still making mistakes and it, he looked like he had a mistake in him each and every game. But when the, the no fans happened, he seemed to play better football. Um, he was seen to be our main man, our key player at the back. And the way we set up so deep, to, uh, and he finds himself in the right places all the time. And crosses were coming in and he was our star guy. As the season's gone on, I don't know whether it's tiredness or fatigue, but it just seems that the lack of concentration and lack of communication from him. It's just not there. The re- that's the reason why he's not in the England squad anymore. You know, he's, he's in and out of that England squad. So he's just falling short. And I think that's what's more down to consistency with him. Um, and moving forward, I think we all know, I think Ben Godfrey's going to be our main guy to send to centre half for next season. But alongside him, you know, who, who could we choose? You know, we've got Mina and, and, and Mason. They've got calamities in them as well with or easy bookings, which they always seem to pick up. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, but I think we've got bigger issues uh, than Michael Keane, but he needs to pick up his form. And what the, the answer to that is he needs to sort himself out um, and get to his confidence. The, the mentality side of it seems to be very weak, and that needs to be sorted. If he wants us to get back in our England squad and push for it, he needs to start putting the performance in that he was early in the COVID situation. Mm. Graham, sir, do you, do you think that Michael Keane is probably our third-choice centre-half going forward into next year? Is that your hope? Uh, like like Bowley's just said there, um, I think Ben Godfrey's been brought into play centre off something which we haven't been able to see through injuries this year. Alongside, I would say at the moment, Yerimina with Michael Keane as our third backup. But if we if we were to buy a, another centre half, they, ha- they for me they have to be better than Michael Keane at the moment. Ben, where do you sit with this one? I mean, with, with Michael Keane, like I say, he did start the season very, very, very well. But over recent months, his form has dipped and, and questions are now being asked of him. Yeah, I think the very first time I came on with yourself, Mick, I think we just played Wolves, I think it was. And Michael Keane, pre-Christmas, had been playing really well. Um, when we bought the player in, I thought it was a good buy from Burnley. I thought it was going to be solid. I was quite happy that we got him. Uh, but obviously, Burnley played with different sorts of like a, a low-lying um, since back four like he is very very good on the air but he turns like the QE2 doesn't he so he, he, when the ball's in behind him he looked at the other night Son went round him with ease and he's just not good against pace is he let's be honest and I probably do agree with Graham I do think he's probably our fair choice centre off and first name on the team chief for me is Ben Godfrey as I said earlier on in the phone and he's been brilliant I'd like to see him centre off and 
but you, you start to look at these rumours, obviously surrounding Yeri Miramic. Um, he's on 120 grand a week. He's 26-ish now, is he? Years of age. And he's only got two years left on his current deal now. You probably come to some sort of crossroads, Mick, now, where this is probably the last summer without extending a contract of 120 grand a week player where he's probably going to want more because he's in his prime now. Um, what do you do? And it come, I, I can see potentially him leaving this summer, yeah, I mean, because he's the only one for me that holds any value. We've still got two years left on his deal. Now, you get these names floating about Cooler Bailey and other centred arse now. I didn't think it was an issue probably before Christmas, but you can see now the way Carlo's chopping and changing all the time that he's not happy with a centred arse. He's obviously clearly happy with Ben Godfrey because he, he's it, no matter where he plays, he puts in 110%, which we like to see. But you look at the Yeri Mina, his, his contract is running down. And if you look at next year, if you don't look to renew his contract, you've got a year left on his deal. You're selling for a cut price fee. So when these rumours came out, Mick, I was going, oh, no chance. Yeri Mina, no way. He's one of our better centred halves. He's probably second choice for me with, with Ben Godfrey. But then you start looking into like the little nitty grits of this contract. And it's like, oh, no way. His, his contract is running down. He's obviously signed for five years back in. 2018, 2019, and you start asking yourself, has he performed well enough to be looking at 140 grand a week for his new deal? I'd probably say no. Um, and if the right money came in for him this year and we had a centre-half lined up who could come in, slot in straight away, which could afford us to play a higher line with Ben Godfrey using his pace, then I would be all for it. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to just lose Jerry Mina just for the sake of it, because I do feel like we spoke about it before, that right-hand side is priority for us this year. We need to get that sorted. And as for Holgate, as I said before, Graham, anyone in the uh, the phone, and I have said that if a, the right bid comes in, I'd probably be looking to sell. But I don't know if you agree, mate, but he's probably what, him and Godfrey, the only two that have got a bit of snideness to them who will put the foot in. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there totally, uh, mate. I think that's a, a very good point. And like, and like you've you touched on there. I think the right side is ultimately ultimately the main priority for us going forward in the summer. Graham, thanks for joining us, mate. That's Graham Martin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks Graham. Thanks, Cheers, Graham. Have a great Sunday. Cheers. Cheers. Our next guest on the Big Everton phone in is Warren Bradley. Warren, you've come to talk about Everton's forward options. I have, yeah. Um, I, thanks very much for having me on. Um, I've got to say, and speaking to most Evertonians when we're mating that, with the frustration we've got with uh, the lack of forward options is, is, I think, fundamental to how we've performed over the last four or five months. You know, Calvert-Lewin, yeah, he had a great start to the season, but he's gone right off the boil. Is it hand in glove with him going um, with the England squad? I don't know. Um, we also, all of us, talk about the lack of pace. We've got absolutely no pace going forward. You know, I was watching Newcastle yesterday and at, at, at every time they got the ball, they moved it forward very, very quickly. There was players moving with them. Everton just haven't got that. And ironically, the other night against Spurs, the only time I've ever seen Gilfie Sigurdsson run, it led to the penalty that, uh, that, that he crossed the ball in. But that was mm. probably the first time this season, definitely, that I've seen Gilfie Sigurdsson put his foot to the floor and take the ball forward and really push opposition defences. 
And then we look at strength and depth. We've got absolutely no strength and depth. And it's not something that's just been going on, you know, over the last couple of months because we've had injuries. Every Evertonian who goes the game will tell you, up front, up top, we've had very, very little for four or five seasons. And I don't think Brands, Walsh before, and they've done anything to, to deal with that issue. You know, you look at other teams, you look at the Man United, the Man Cities, the Liverpools, the Tottenham's, they've got players that they can bring in if they do have injuries or they need to rotate some of the squad. We can't do that. I think the Charleston's been very hit and miss. I don't know what, you know, the other guests and supporters feel, but he spent the first half of the season going to ground every time he got the opportunity. And the second, second half of the season, yeah, he stayed on his feet a bit more, but he's got, he hasn't got that wherewithal to go and get it. You know, you look at Andy Gray, Graham Sharp, you look at other strikers we've had from Bob Latchford going back that far. They always attack that ball and always knew that, you know, the, the end goal is to put it in the onion bag. And unfortunately, I don't think any of Everton's attacking options think that way. You know, Iwobi, we've all heard the stories about Iwobi and we're all sick to the back teeth of them. But are the coaching staff telling him to check back rather than keep on pushing? Because it, it just it just alarms me that an attacking player like Iwobi um, would check back and pass the ball back when he knows he's got half the pits to run into. These are the issues, you know, around the attacking options. I think across the back line, yeah, we've got problems, but every every team makes mistakes occasionally. I think, you know, our real issue at the moment at Everett Football Club is our attacking options. And we've really got to go out into the market in the summer and get some quality. We need, for the squad alone, eight, eight to ten players to come. And yet some of them will keep the bench warm, but ultimately some of them will get in the first team and really push on. And I do feel sorry for Josh King. Uh, yeah, some people were, were reticent about him coming, but I wasn't. I, you know, whenever Bournemouth played, whenever I watched him playing for Bournemouth, he always put a shift in. He hasn't really had that opportunity uh, at Everton. And then we talk about Moise Keane. Moise Keane is doing well in, in France. No issue with that, but it's a completely different style of football. It's a hard, hard game, the Premier League, as has been proved. Lots of decent players have come and have gone as quickly. And I don't know whether Moyes Keane is the answer. Yet he's only young. He's got loads of opportunity in, because he's got the age, maybe the experience he's had in France. Coming back to, to the Premier League, he'll be a different player. We'll never know that until he comes and he gets a good run in the side. You can't expect players who are dropped in just you know for 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, to become the world beaters we all crave. So that's where I am at the moment with it. I, I'm really frustrated. I think, you know, Early doors, like every Evertonian, the first four months of the season, we were on cloud nine. We never really expected to be as good as we were in the first four months. But it's just frittered away to absolute frustration again for Evertonians. You know, and yeah, Man City are good. I, I was on Twitter and I had a couple of exchanges with Evertonians. I'm not happy with mediocrity. I've known the 80s. You know, we grew up in the 80s, went all over watching Everton. Uh, and it was great. You knew every time you went, Everton put 110% in. And you knew we'd win or we'd come away with something. We're never sure of that now, are we? I mean, I don't know what, what the other panel guests think, but, I, you know, I, I dread putting the telly on thinking, how are we going to play tonight? Now, I've got to say on Friday night, I thought they put a good shift in every single one of them, apart from, you know, the mistakes from 
uh, Holgate and Keane. That's another discussion. Um, but I do think they played much, much better than at Brighton against Palace, Fulham, West Ham. You know, I, I'm just so frustrated. I thought we, we've got a real chance this season because of the first half. And it's mm-hmm. it, I don't know where we're going to end up now. Matt, I'm going to come to you here first. Talking what Warren's just said, he's made some great points. Do you think that Everton's biggest problem is, is going forward? You know, after Richarlison and DCL, like Warren's just said, there's just nothing else. First of all, um, well, and I can hear the passion in your voice, and I, I do think that it's a, a really good good quality. Um, you definitely want Everton to be winners, right? And I, you know, and it from, from my perspective, I, you know, everything you've just said that resonates with me personally. Um, um, do I do I believe Everton's problems are going forward? Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. They, they, it is one of many, many issues for me for within the, within Everton as a as a as a team and as a club. Um, I think, from my perspective, um, I'm not sure if it's and this is just my opinion, right? I'm not sure if it's strikers that we're lacking. Although, absolutely, in terms of um, we just mentioned about Moise Keane, you know, and and the fact that you know it has left us short now that Dominic's injured and Josh is Josh King's not. Um, Firing all on all cylinders, although granted he, he probably isn't a striker, he's more of an attacking winger. Um, but for me personally, um, the big the big problem I see going forwards is the creativity. That that's where I see and the pace, the lack of pace. You know, we're seeing Hammers dropping into defensive midfield spaces because he's just not being provided the ball further up the field to be able to be creative and he hasn't got those people in front of him that you know are on his first of all on his level which not many people are but definitely not in our squad and he doesn't have the the runners the pace and and other people that are creating so he's having to push back to go I'm going to have to do this for them because they're not doing they're not they're not not linking up they're not being creative they're not pushing forward you know we all hear the words crabs um and I do believe, and this isn't, you know, an attack on anybody personally. I do believe it's a really good way to describe some of some of some of our play. It's just sideways, slow. Um, so for me personally, the, the key point of going forward and moving forwards and attacking is the fact that yes, at Crystal Palace we had loads of chances, and, and you've got to be critical of Dominic and uh, Dominic Avalu and Andrew Charlison for those for those misses. Um, but other than that, the, when we haven't got hammers on the pitch. We just cannot cut people open. And then teams themselves know that if they stop Hammers, they stop Everton from creating. And we've just got nothing else to offer uh, in terms of moving forward at the moment um, and an attacking play. And we just don't have the pace for Hammers to be putting, you know, cut through balls where people are literally, you know, breaking away at a heavy pace to, to, to get behind the team. And that's really frustrating from my perspective and something that we absolutely need to resolve um, in the summer. Um, just to, and Warren, I appreciate your perspective. I, I, and I do, I do really resonate with everything you've said. Um, I think we absolutely do need a striker uh, if Moyes goes, which I think from my perspective, it's absolutely going to happen. Um, um, but it's not my number one priority. Um, creativity and pace absolutely is, and the right side in particular for me is um, is, a, is a massive gap that we need to resolve. Warren, you, you, you think maybe Everton need to make eight to 10 additions to the squad to, to really compete for Champions League spots. It's probably going to be unlikely in one window. So if we can only make, say, four additions, where are you hoping that those four fit into Everton? What positions are you looking for? 
well, a striker. I think we need a, a quality striker. And I absolutely agree over the creativity, from the pace and the creativity from midfield because there's no link at the moment unless Hammers goes deep to pick the ball up. There is absolutely no link. And then there's that gap between the attackers uh, and the defenders or, the, or the, the defensive midfielders. And absolutely right. No pace. Nobody wants to take responsibility unless Hammers does it. And that's not good enough. So we definitely need, I think, a, a striker, a backup. And you know what? I'd be looking at, a, at an older guy to come in and just help Calvert-Lewin through the next stage of, it, of his development because there's no doubt, you know, Dominic is a great player and he will be a great player. And if he was in the right squad now with the right support, you know, he'd be a world beater. But he hasn't got that. And I think he just needs somebody to come in. A bit like Andy Gray did with Graham Sharp. I mean, I'm, not, I'm sorry to harp back to the 80s, but that was like the cream for us Evertonians. You know, um, we need creativity in midfield. And yet, across the back line, we do need additional... Seamus is, you know, he's on the, the latter part of his career, although he come on the other night and he showed all the younger lads on the pitch how to do it. But yeah, we need something across the back line. I don't know what it is. You know, we've got to have the debate about Holgate, about Keane. Are they what we want if we want to be challenging for Champions League? And do we need another keeper? Well, we're going to need another keeper because Olsen's going. Do we need a keeper, one, to, to keep the bench warm? Or do we need somebody to keep uh, Jordan Pickford on his toes? These are all of the, you know, the discussions we've got to be having between now and it can't go to the last minute of the window. We've got to have them in place so they can train with the squad throughout the summer, get used to each other and then hit the ground running, you know, when the season starts. But yeah, right, the spine of the team, I always remember how Kendall's saying, you, you never win anything unless your spine of your team is solid uh, with pace. And it, it, you look at the spine of the team in the 80s when Kendall, and when we were really successful, he had Southall, he had Ratcliffe and Manfield, he had Reed and Bracewell and he had Sharp and Gray in the spine. And you can fill in around and Liverpool have done exactly the same. You know, United have done it. City did it. They bought two great centre-halves and made City, you know, a decent side again. And I think that's what... I'm not going to tell Ancelotti how to do his job. God bless us, he's done it, mm. you know, more times than anybody. But he needs to, to sort that spine out. You can put very ordinary players around a, a very strong spine and you'll get results and you'll get... And let's face it, some of the results have been quite obscure this year, haven't they? You know, a lot mm. of... The, Teams are winning away from home that would never win away from home or did Italy, you know, Everton being one of them. And they lose Nero when, you know, you think, Jesus, they should be winning these games at home easily in a canter. So that's, I just think he's got to look at building. And you're right, he's not going to do it in one window. And none of us ever thought, you know, that when he came in 12, 18 months ago, that Everton were going to be, you know, the champions and, and we were going to be in the Champions League and all the rest. We knew. It, it was it's a jigsaw puzzle and he's got to put it together and you've got to put your trust in Carlo Ancelotti and his team to do that. But unfortunately, we had the first four months of the season where it was like a dream come true and then all of a sudden we've become frustrated because our expect our expectations have been lifted. And um, so, yeah, four players in this window. I, I agree you shouldn't buy in January because you're always buying, you know, people who are a bit frustrated or if the team aren't doing well and I think probably next window and we should be looking the season after next hopefully hopefully fingers crossed by you know the results going our way this year we'll qualify for the Europa League and then push on maybe to qualify for the Champions League Evertonian said to me 
do you think we should get in the Champions League this year? What I said, no, it's far too early for Everton to be in the Champions League. We'd just be embarrassed. You know what I mean? It'd be like a Scottish team going in. It's embarrassing. And I don't want that for Everton because it just knocks the morale. It knocks the confidence and it knocks our ability to push on in the league and, and really develop a squad that you can be proud of. And you know, when it turns out of a Saturday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday or a Sunday, it's going to win. And, and it, it, we will win and we won't be petrified to put the telly on. Mm. Ben, just talking what Warren just said there about Dominic Calvert-Lewin maybe needing a, an older head up front with him. You know, he talked about Andy Graham, Graham Sharp, that sort of combination. Do you feel that's something that Everton should be looking at this summer? Maybe an older head to go alongside Dominic Calvert-Lewin? You know, someone like an, an Edison Cavani, maybe not him, obviously, but that sort of player who's not expected to start every week, but when they do, you know, they lead the line very well. Yeah, Warren's hit the nail on the head there today. I just sat back and enjoyed listening to him, but he keeps rubbing it in. He lived in the 80s. It all seemed to go downhill when I came into the world in 91. So I've just been born into a team of losers, so very jealous of you, Warren, living through the 80s and then magical, uh, the magical years for Evertonians. But yeah, Mick, I think I think a few years back, I think we've obviously had Olivier Giroud at the training ground. Someone like that who would have come in for and just like chipped in every now and again probably would have been good. I think DCL was just floating in around the first team then as well, and I was really optimistic about that sign and thought it was really clever. thought it would be getting an old head around. You, you, an old dog can teach a young pup new tricks um, get to get the best out of them going forward. So potentially, yeah. Um, but who's around? Um, who do you take the risk on? And they're probably going to want a big fee. It's Ancelotti and Brands have got a very, very difficult job. And like Warren said there, we need a whole right side and we need a striker. If you look at your right back, your Max Adams, that's, I think that's the club's number one target. And Look at your right winger. You look at Leon Bailey, what he did last night. I think we've all seen the clips on Twitter. Absolutely electrifying pace, cutting in off the left, off the right, and burying the goal into the uh, into the bottom corner, which we haven't seen at Everton for a new number of years. The last goal, I think we actually went on the break and scored was against Watford away last year when Walcott got the winner in the 3-2 win down there. So apart from that, I can't remember the last time we actually attacked with pace and Besides getting the ball to Hammers, and he, he he's just magical, isn't he? He gets the ball, he's always in space, and he's so good. He's always got that touch and time to turn and thread the need, thread the pass through. So, yeah, it's just who's out there, Mick? It's difficult. We're going to have scouts all over the globe having a little look round, and it, it's just it's going to be very difficult. Look at Cavani; he's looking to go back to Boca Juniors. Giroud, he's still floating about somewhere, but he's, he's he is very old now. Someone like Eden Zeko's floating around from Roma, someone like that. So. The striker for me, we need somebody who's going to come in and probably come in as a second-choice striker. You look at Moise Keane, he came in and he what, what system that obviously Silva at that time wanted to play, he had to, he was had one or the other. And unfortunately for Keane, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was scoring more and fitting into the system well. And I think that's still the system going forward. I think Carlo still wants his 4-3-3 with one up top. So you need to get a striker that will come in, probably probably an older head, and like not want to play every game want to come on the last 20, see out the game, teach Calvert-Lewin new tricks that he hasn't seen before, body positions, because some things like that just come naturally to certain players and they can show the younger generation, like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Look what I do in this position. And that's how football has learned, how they develop. It's called getting coached so they can just literally progress further. So, yeah, I completely agree with what Warren said there. I think he said the nail on the head through the whole phone and then, I could listen to him all day, reminiscing about the past. But yeah, nice one for coming on, Warren. Really appreciate it. Defo, um, Mick, sorry to jump in. 
um, just more of a comedy thing, really, or a bit of humour. Um, if you if the, if you ha- if you believe the media, which is difficult, is there at times? There is one player that's available. Um, if you believe the media, and um, Farad, little tip off here, go and get him. I've heard Lionel Messi might be available. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, break if the bank, mate. crack on, <laughs> <laughs> throw every penny at him. Of course. That's well, you know, far too ambitious, but agree completely. Um, I really do think that would add loads of value. An experienced striker would be a fantastic acquisition. Warren, thanks for joining us on the phone, and we really appreciate it. Cheers, Warren. Cheers. Best of luck, boys. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Our last guest this evening is Taylor Davis. Taylor, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks for joining, Taylor. You, you Cheers, mate. Cheers. Keane. Yeah, I've come to talk about Moise Keane and just, you know, what a lot of news regarding him, especially today with Fabrizio. So, talk about him. Okay. And what are your thoughts about Moise Keane? Are you, are you keeping him or are you selling him? It's a tough situation with Moise Keane because when we signed him, it was, it was a big name signing. You know, you talk about the young players in the world and he was up there with that calibre of the Ansu Fatis, the Mbappes and Haaland's at the time. You know, he scored a lot of goals for Juventus and it's one of them where you really want him to kick on and succeed at the club but it's come to the decision now where I feel like we've got to sell him in, in order to help us financially get our important positions in, you know, talk of right back and right winger. So I think Ben's talked about it a few times. Uh, he's going to be the asset, I think, that's going to be sold and it will help us out in the summer. So, Taylor, how much money would you be looking for for Moise Keane? Uh, it really depends on um, how PSG end up doing in the Champions League final. Uh, I think the fee for and about today was €50 million. Euros. That equates to £43 million. Pounds. So, around that is is great. And if we can get anything more, then it's a big win for uh, Everton and Marcel Brands. Ben, I know we've, we've spoke about Moise Keane previously, but... but... How much money would you be looking for for Moise Keane? Um, well, the ball's really in our court, isn't it, Mick? As I've stated before, it's literally on our terms and, and how it should be. But as we've touched on, it, he is going to be the asset that goes, clearly. The stadium get the green light for, obviously, the, the losses that have been in the, the books for the past year or so can get spread out now over the course of the stadium getting built, which is great news for Everton. It's also good to hear the figures getting thrown about for Moise Keane. Look, he is, like like Matthew Matt said before, he's... he's a global superstar when he was 18, 19, coming off the bench scoring. I think he scored a goal every 83 minutes or something for Juventus when he came on and scored, which was like unbelievable. And all the players were saying he's probably one of the best finishes. And I thought it was a real coup when we got him. And I thought, what a masterstroke from Marcel Brands, not including the buyback deal. And you look now, two years on, and it probably is a masterstroke because literally we can probably potentially near enough double our money in Moise Keenan. Look, the Italian clubs are waiting in the background if PSG don't come up with what we want. Um, I, I, I can see a ballpark figure around £35 million with realistic add-ons, probably appearances, cups, titles and stuff like that in the five-year time frame where you're looking at probably £45 million overall. Um, I think a deal will be done for that. I think it's a good deal for Everton. I think it's a good deal for PSG. And I feel like it's it keeps that that superstar agent happy in Raiola for future deals because if you upset him then he's not going to do business with you so it obviously helps that obviously Marcel Brands it's his agent as well who obviously does his dealings for him so you need to keep him people like that unfortunately 
show on side. You look at the Earl and Carlan stuff now, and he just said, oh, wait, said, I'm not doing any business with Man City. And you'd like to think that Haaland would be enormous for Man City, but looks like he's just got his issues of Pep Guardiola and just that's it. You know, I'm not doing business with you. And that's what football's become now. It's a complete business game. So going forward, he is going to have to be the asset for me. And hopefully we use his money wisely and sort out that right-hand side as a matter of urgency. I know, obviously, we've said before, Max Adams is touted as the right-back and I think it makes sense for me. I've read Taylor, Taylor's thread on Max Adams and it gets you really excited about the player and the chances he's created this year and that money straight away to transfer straight to Norwich and get him in. And It's probably, a, a, there's your right-back for the next five, ten years and you're never probably going to lose money on Max Adams as well. I, I think he's only ever going to get better too. So we're never actually going to be in the loss with that. And it's a sensible buy due to age because in the past, I've bought players who are getting to the end of their time span, probably paying a bit of a premium and you're never getting your money back. So you look at the likes, say, say for example, Alan, who I think has been brilliant when he's played, really good signing, but he's got a four-year deal, I think. So for three, four years' time, we're not going to make back that £25 million, pounds, are we? But whereas someone who's young, hungry as Max Owens, who probably is a, a winner, you can see in the Championship how well he's performed for Norwich, that you're never going to lose the money long-term with him. And that's happened with Moise Keane. He's a viable asset to us as a club because of his age, his sell-on fee, and his actual talent he's got. Because he is very raw. It just didn't happen for us at Everton, did it? And like I said before, he's playing with Mbappe and he's playing with these players, Neymar, and they're putting on the play for him. And look, I'd probably look to play out with Pat in Paris when I've got Mbappe and Neymar putting balls in instead of Awobi, Bernard, players like that. So you, you can't blame the kid for wanting to leave and stay there to, uh, full time. Taylor, would you, would you, if you were Ancelotti, would you maybe think, you know what, there is a player in Moise King, let's try and persuade him to stay though? Uh, yeah, I think that would be in the decision making if we do keep or sell him. I think it's no secret Carlo's an admirer. I think when Carlo Ancelotti was at Napoli, there was a lot of talk that Moise King could come in and play and replace Drew Mertens in the Napoli squad. I think Carlo's talked about it publicly. Yeah. There's a lot of reports that also says he wants him to stay and be an important player and push DCL into the next level. And this talk of Carlo wanting to play 4-4-2 and Calvert-Lewin and Moise Keane being the two strikers. So, yeah, I think the thought process will be, do we keep him? Do we build on what we've got? But ultimately, I do think the decision will be made that we sell him. And as Ben touched on, then it does allow us to go buy Max Ahrens and another, another right winger, which we lack massively. Matt, just touching on what Taylor just said there, would would you be interested or open open to keep Moise Keane? Um, so um apologies, Taylor. I know I know you wasn't on the, the phone in earlier on. Uh, we, we did one of one of the guys did did uh, dial in and, and, and ask about Moise Keane and, and I think we have all said, you know, we, we see him as a potential superstar or certainly one with great potential. Um I think, as we've already called out, and again, apologies, Taylor, I know you didn't hear this part. It's clear to see that we're under very much some financial restrictions with regulation for um, Premier League sustainability. And if we get into your financial fair play, um, and I think that that, unfortunately, is going to is going to play our hand in that we are going to have to probably sell Moyes if um, if we want to give. Carlo Ancelotti, a transfer kitty that he deserves. He absolutely deserves. Um, I think if we get into Europe, there might be a consideration of keeping him. Um, I appreciate, you know, we all here probably six weeks ago were thinking Champions League was something we should really be pushing for here. And I think we can all accept now that we failed 
we failed in that journey. But there is the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, I think the, the, the new competition is called, and I, I think it's coming in next year, could be wrong. Um, and I, I, have, I have asked a couple of questions on what, you know, what would what would that do for us financially? Um, and appreciate that uh, Europa League in terms of winnings isn't, isn't um, as big as the Champions League in terms of the money that you make, but from, from ground revenue, I, I believe it's, you know, could be upwards of, if we, if we do well in, in, in that competition, upwards of 10, 10 million, just from uh, gate receipts, assuming COVID goes. And um, if everybody's seen the beer gardens this weekend, let's see where we end up in the future. But, um, assuming that the ground is allowed to have 100% capacity, there is a chance that that revenue might allow us to have a transfer kitty if we get into Europe that allows us to say, do we want Moyes to stay? Um, I, I personally would love Moyes to stay. I, I do, uh, I, you know, Moyes Keane, apologies for calling his first name. I, I don't know him, he's not my friend, but um, um, I, I do see a, low, a lot of potential in the lad. He didn't perform at the levels that he certainly is capable of um, and I haven't watched PSG uh, this season because I've been more stressed about Everton again failing but um, um, it's clear to see that you know with the creativity of PSG and, and you know appreciate France as a league isn't as competitive as the Premier League but he's absolutely flying from a statistic point of view scored 16 goals for PSG I believe so um, I would love him back I think he'd be a great asset um, I, I think he'd be Somebody that is has got a great a lot of you know a lot of potential to be a fantastic striker in the future, and if we do sell him this summer, I only see that as a negative from my perspective because I do believe his transfer value is going to go through the roof over the next two to three years, and we could be looking at a hundred million pound player if all went well with him and, and he gets to the potential that he you know the level that his potential is definitely calling for. Um, Again, the problem is the limitation in the financial aspect of where we are right now with regulation. And the only strategy for us, from what I can see outside looking in, is that we have to sell an asset or two. And those two assets are probably going to be Moise Keane and potentially Richarlison, if anybody is prepared to pay the price that Richarlison, we are going to ask for, for Richarlison. And the problem, from my perspective, is that Carlo needs that money. He absolutely needs the money and he deserves it. So... um, um, I wish we could have him stay. I wish we could sit here now and say we've got other options that allow us to to to, to create those funds to give Carlo um, to be able to create this team that we 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 need to be next year, which is winners. Um, but I just can't see any other way that that being allowed to happen other than selling Moise Keane and the consideration of uh, Lucas Dean being sold, which I don't think is the case with the contract being signed um, or Richarlison. So. Um, Wish he could stay, but it, it's not looking good. Taylor, if, if Moise Keane does end up leaving, do you think then it really pushes the need for a, another striker, a second striker to go maybe alongside Dominic Calvert-Lewin or to be his understudy? Yeah, I think questions will be asked on whether we bring in a new forward. Uh, if we do sell Moise Keane, obviously, I don't see Josh King staying at the club. Uh, I don't know why we signed him, to be honest. I don't. I really don't understand that signing, but there's talk of... Um, Daryl Dyke from Barnsley, a um, couple goals this season, and he looks promising. There's Ivan Tony talked about, so they could be understudies. But I feel like if we sold Keane, the money will be used towards other positions, you know, a right back, right wing, a centre mid. If, if Everton played smart, you know, I like the look of Alfonso Ariola at PSG. You could use him in the deal as a player 
player swap plus cash. But I don't know if that will hurt us financially, as Matt touched upon before with the uh, Premier League regulations. But it'll be interesting to see if we do look for an understudy. And as, a, as those two names have been thrown about, um, they'll come relatively cheap and they score goals. So it's not a bad option to come off the bench if we uh, end up getting them. Mm. So Taylor, how much would you be selling Moise Keane for if you were Everton Football Club? As I said before, it, for me, it all depends on how PSG doing this uh, in the Champions League run and how much he is a key man for them. If he gets a goal in the semi-final against Manchester City, he's, he's had an extra more money to uh, that value. But if we were to sell him tomorrow, was I'd probably be looking at around the fee Ben said before, 35, 40, 45, around that region. I think it's a fair price for both clubs. Taylor, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks for joining the phone and we really appreciate it. Yeah, cheers Thanks, And that's all we've got time for today on the big Everton phone in to Michael Ball, Ben Winstanley, and Matt Charles. Thank you very much for joining us. To all our guests, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for joining us. We will be back next week for Everton's trip to Arsenal, which is on Friday night. We will have a pre-match podcast beforehand. In the meantime, enjoy the lovely weather, enjoy the beer gardens, stay safe, take care, and all the very best. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Support comes from ServiceNow the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.